Here's Moustakas. First and third, two outs. The 0-2. Swing and a foul in and out of the glove of Walters. Walters couldn't hang on. That is a pure luck type of situation for a catcher. You either catch it or you don't. The 0-2. Swing the line drive. Base hit right field. Mike Moustakas on a two-strike pitch. Lines a single to right, and the Brewers have taken game one in the division series. I am coming to you live from the Sportscasters podcast room inside my house in North Tonawanda, New York, just north of beautiful Buffalo, New York. We have a very uh, special podcast for you today. Matthew Berry, the the head of fantasy sports over at ESPN, is going to be on the podcast. And Matthew Berry is one of these guys that has a million followers on Twitter. And it's been a while. Uh, since we've had anyone uh, with that many many followers on Twitter, we've had them. We've had people with millions. Uh, I think Peter King is into the millions. Adam Schefter is definitely into the millions. Uh, so we've had them before, but it's been a while. And uh, I recorded the Matthew Berry interview uh, yesterday, and I'm going to talk to you more about that in a minute. Also on the podcast today is Mike Shope. Uh, Mike Shope does the Afternoon Drive Sports Radio Show on WGR 550 in Buffalo, New York. And I thought today would be the perfect time to have Mike on. He's a big fantasy guy. I thought we maybe could continue the fantasy conversation. I also thought we could talk about Jack Eichel being named uh, the captain of the Sabres. And uh, one last thing today uh, will be about my trip to the Sabres home opener last night. Uh, So you have that to look forward to. So we have Matthew Barry, we have Mike Shope, uh, we have a big book club update because we are up to three books and I got to knock one off soon. Uh, I'm thinking that maybe I'll reach out to Jeff Perlman um, to get his book done, uh, but we'll go over all that during the book club update. So this is kind of what the podcast is going to look like. We're going to do, I'm going to talk for a few more minutes, we'll take a break, we'll do Matthew Barry. Uh, then we'll do a book club update, and then we will do Mike Shope. And then after that, we'll do one last thing about the Sabres home opener. I kind of want to talk a little bit about the Matthew Barry interview because I think I blew it. You know, I look, I'm holding in my hand right now. It's, it's a post-it, and I got like, you know, 60 things written on it, and I busted my ass for five days going through his book, going through the internet. What should I talk to Matthew Barry about? What's going to be the best interview? And, you know, ESPN PR had reached out to me and they were like, so are you going to just be asking him like who the best starts are for week six? And I was like, no, I don't want to do that at all. I want to do a more evergreen interview. You know, I want to do something that if you don't hear it in the next three days, it's not irrelevant. Uh, so I worked really hard on trying to put something together and 
I don't know. I kind of think it bombed. To be honest, I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to go too far into like trashing it so that podcast players everywhere are being clicked off and people are like, you know, screw this. I don't even need to listen uh, because we did get into a groove on a few different things. I just, I don't know. Part of me got the impression that Matthew also agreed to do it, but I don't know. You know, I don't know if that would have been in the list of the top 1,000 things he wanted to do that day, and I don't I don't mean that as an insult because I always find it hard to believe that this podcast would be on anyone's top 1,000 things they want to do uh, in a day. Uh, but I'll admit I've been really bummed since since the interview happened because I just I just didn't think it was the best, you know? And and when you get a shot at a guy with Matt, like Matthew Barry, you you want to kill. You know, like I think back to like the first time I did Chirico, it killed. And Chirico's like anytime, you know, you want me, you know, you can have me. Buck the same thing. We've always just clicked. And I don't know, maybe there was just something missing. Uh, from this one, but I'll let you guys decide, and hopefully it's not as bad as I think it is. Let me get some plugs in before we get going. Don't forget you can find this episode of the Sportscasters and all episodes of the Sportscasters on our SoundCloud feed, soundcloud.com slash sports underscore casters. Uh, You can also follow us on Twitter at sports underscore casters. Um... What else? We are on Facebook. Uh, you can find us there, although I don't use it much. Uh, but the main things would be Twitter and SoundCloud and, of course, Apple Podcasts and wherever podcasts are found. If you want to listen to this podcast somewhere and you can't find it there, don't be afraid to email me, thesportscasters at gmail.com. Uh, a few podcasting buddies I wanted to give a shout-out to. Uh, first of all, uh, the Place to Be Nation podcast celebrated its 500th podcast last week with a massive trivia contest that was awesome. And I just want to congratulate Justin Rosero and Scott Criscolo uh, for 500 episodes. Uh, that kind of brotherhood, that kind of effort uh, to put 500 podcasts together, it blows my mind. We're, we started... The sportscaster started around the same time that their show started, and they're probably about 200 episodes ahead of us. So uh, just a huge credit to them, and I want to congratulate them uh, for that. Don't forget greetings from Allentown, a podcast featuring my off-podcast buddy, uh, Peter Winson uh, of the Adams Division podcast. Uh, although the uh, Bruins gave the Sabres an old Adams Division ass whooping last night, uh, but you can find his podcast. It's at uh, GF Allentown Pod on Twitter, uh, and of course, if you search "Greetings from Allentown" uh, in the Apple Podcast uh, search window, uh, you'll find it there as well. Uh, it's a weekly show. Peter does it by himself, uh, sort of like I do now, and uh, he is much better than me. So please listen, uh, please listen to Peter's show. Uh, I thought there was another podcast I wanted to plug. 
Uh, but to further prove that Peter is better than me, I can't think of what it is. Uh, so with all that said, why don't we just, why don't we take a break and let's find out if this Matthew Berry interview is any good. Because uh, I will admit that I am nervous on it. But uh, look it, this is awesome. It's an awesome moment for the podcast, no matter how good or bad I did. Uh, I get to say right now that we're going to take a break and we're going to come back with Matthew Berry. All right, our first guest today uh, grew up in Texas Station, Texas, and is a graduate of Syracuse University. He got his career started out in Los Angeles where he wrote movies and he wrote sitcoms uh, before turning to his passion of fantasy sports where eventually he was hired by ESPN and where he has become the talented Mr. Roto. It's a great honor for the very first time uh, to welcome uh, Matthew Barry to the Sportscasters. What's up, Matthew? How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Life is well. I cannot tell you how fired up I am. Matthew, I have to tell you that when I started listening to your podcast, it was so long ago that the way you listened to it was you went to ESPN.com and you kind of played it from like this little box that was somewhere on the side of the page. Right. Wow. So you are you are old school. You were long term. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you for uh, sticking with us for so long. Yeah, I mean, I started this show in 2011 and I think you guys had like 5 years on us already. Um Right. But uh this is so cool. It's so excited to have you on and uh, I got so much I want to talk to you about, but the very first thing I have to ask you about, because okay. like you, I am a Howard Stern lover, so yep. I just need to know something about being on the couch and what that meant to you and how cool it was not only to be there, but to kill for him to not spend five minutes and say, what is he talking about, Rob and Abucha? Like, every time you've been on, he has fun. It's so cool, and I get so happy for you because, um, you know, I know being a fan, you know, how amazing that must be. So give me something about Howard's Couch. Uh, it's um, it's not as um, – uh, it's, it's in better shape than you would think. When you think about sort of all the things that have happened on Howard's couch over the years, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, they must professionally clean it because I was just like, oh, boy, what's going on here? But um, uh, it's a, it, it is a couch in good shape. Yeah, no, it was terrific. I, I mean, I've been listening to Howard for, I mean, you know, to 30 years, I think. And so, you know, massive fan, tremendous amount of respect for him and everything he's accomplished. Really enjoy the show. Um, and so... You know, when they asked me to be in the fantasy league with them, it was one of those things where I was just like, look, the last thing in the world I need is another fantasy league. But because I was such a massive fan of his and of the show, I was just like, oh, I'll do this because, you know, maybe I'll, I'll get to meet the guys in the show, in the league, obviously, and who knows, maybe I'll wind up doing the show. And I ended up doing 
I ended up being on the show six different times. I was in Studio 3 with him. I've done wrap-up more times than I can imagine. I've become friends with a lot of the people on the staff. Um, so it was great. And to your point, like, um, what, what was great about it for me was, and I've written about this, but I didn't know what to expect with Howard because you, you hear him on the air, right? And so, um, and, but a lot of the qualities that I, I really enjoy as a listener made me nervous being a guest on his show because he's so unpredictable because you never know where he'll go. You never know what kind of questions he will ask. And so, and I was going in as part of a fantasy football league and I know he's not a sports fan and I know that he's not a, um, he certainly doesn't like fantasy football. So I'm like, is he going to goof on me? Is he going to um, just sort of, you know, make fun of everything I do? And I think he enjoyed the, you know, sort of all the, all the trash talk and the back and forth between myself and all the other guys in the league. Uh, but he was, uh, you know, he was very respectful and, and really nice. And, you know, it was great. And uh, to your point, yeah, I mean, like, I thought maybe it could be five minutes. And we, I think <laughs> my first appearance, I think it was like 45. And it was unbelievable. Was it Gary that walked you in that first time? Uh, walked me into the into the into the studio. Yes, it was yeah. Gary. It's always Gary. And 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 just like, tell me about that a little bit. Like you're what? Like Gary Delabate is walking you into the studio for your first Stern Show appearance. Like, I don't know. What's, I'm nervous. You're nervous. I'm I'm nervous, and I rarely get nervous. I mean, I've been on you know I've been on national talk you know for a long time since since 2007. I've done you know a gazillion interviews over the years, but I was nervous. Because I'm nervous, I don't know. I really don't know what the, how the interview will go. I'm nervous because this is a guy that I, I've looked up to and admired, and I'm nervous. And I, and I also know millions upon millions of people are, are listening, and I know that like myself, the Stern fan base is fanatical, and so you know everything, anything you say, you know, lives on forever, and so all those things were were super nerve wracking to me. Also, I work for Disney. And I'm like, I, you know, it's, and obviously um, the tone of Howard's show is very, very different than the, the tone of a lot of the content we do at ESPN and, uh, you know, as, as part of Disney. So all those things are sort of running through my mind. And in the back of it, it's also a little bit of like, you know, you've heard the, always heard the phrase, don't meet your heroes. Because, right. you know, I'm like, so I'm going to meet this guy that I've listened to forever and that I really admire. And, you know, and you're like in the back of your mind, you're like, oh, please don't be a jerk. You know, and, you know, like... And so it was, um, you know, and he wasn't. He was, he was, uh, he was great on air to me. And then afterwards, uh, he couldn't have been lovelier in person. Like when the, all the mics were off and everything like that, and took pictures with me and my wife, and couldn't have been a better experience. You and Joe Buck in the last couple of years have really, really like done the sports world well in that room. You know what I mean? Like uh. as a sports fan. I'm just so proud of both of you for being able to go in there and like just show the way you did. I mean, it's just been awesome. Um, I want to talk about the game, you know, fantasy football. I, it's funny because Mr. Hoffheimer was like, you know, I, I'm sure you're going to want to ask like about the, the hot week five. And I don't want to do that at all. Like I'm more interested in like, where you sit, where you, where you stand, where, where you study this game, like when you project out, where do you see fantasy football evolving? Like do you see two quarterbacks being more common? Um, do you see the word standard really meaning PPR? Like 
How do you see this game that we love kind of evolving? What are you preparing for in the next two, three, five years to become the norm of fantasy football? I'm not sure I understand the question. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, what I just mean... What, what do you mean, like, the norm of fantasy football? I'm, I'm just... I'm sorry. I'm not following okay. let what me you're re- asking. Let me, let me rephrase. So maybe, like, 10 years ago when we played maybe even 15 right we would walk into we would walk into the room uh and I'm not trying to put myself on this level but 10 to 15 years ago I felt like I won a lot of leagues because I would walk into the room and there'd be seven or eight other guys around with a magazine from April you know and right. I would just clean up and then the game has sort of evolved information has evolved but even beyond that the way we played the way we play has evolved. You know, the game itself has changed. Like, here's a good example. ESPN standard leagues used to be non-PPR. You know, now ESPN right. standard leagues are PPR. So it's like that's a trend in the game that has changed. And I just wonder from where you sit as a guy who I assume is always trying to look two or three steps ahead, what things about the way we play fantasy football do you think are going to change or stay the same? Got it. Okay. So, I mean, I think the basic parameters of how we play will stay the same. I mean, you know, the majority of the innovation have has come. I mean, like, so ESPN changed its standard game from, from you know, from, uh, its default game from non-PPR to PPR. But there's still millions of people that play non-PPR. And you've got two quarterback leagues, and you've got, you know, half-point PPR leagues. And so there's, you know, and there's, there's leagues starting up with, you know, that where you play with IDP, and there's dynasty leagues. And, you know, super flex leagues are becoming more popular. And so there's, there's all sorts of variations of it. But at the end of the day, it's still basically the same game that I played 30 years ago, right? I mean, there's a, there's a quarterback, there's a couple of running backs, there's a couple of wide receivers, there's a tight end, a defense, a kicker, and, you know, maybe you, you know, Maybe you add an extra flex. Maybe you're adding extra quarterback. Maybe you're getting half a point for reception or whatever. But so it's all tweaks to it. But I don't know that there's anything fundamentally different at the core of the game. You're still drafting players. You're still, you know, choosing to start or sit them in a given week. You're still playing an opponent head to head. I think there'll be there'll continue to be some more innovation in terms of sort of, and I don't know if innovation is the right word, but more more widespread acceptance of some of some wrinkles, whether it's super flex or two quarterback leagues. Um, whether it's playing without a defense or a kicker, which I'm, I'm in a super flex league that has no defense, no kicker, and I love it. It's really a fun format. And so um, I tried to convince a league here, at, uh, the internal league here at ESPN to do it. They wouldn't do it. Um, but so I think you'll see some of that. To me, most of the innovation has come so recently within daily fantasy sports in terms of how you play some of those. And, and even then isn't really innovation. I mean, the, the salary cap format, which is popular now with – you know the DraftKings and the FanDuel's and the and and some of the other DFS sites out there. Uh, that's been around forever. It's just you know they they just popularized it and you know added the money element to it. With the advent of sports gambling, I think you'll probably see a lot more people trying to blur those lines um, between sports gambling and and DFS. But I don't know that there's anything. Um, uh, you know, massively in terms of the way we change, in terms of what's coming down the pike. The one thing I would say is 
that I believe uh, what will change is technology, right? I mean, as it is, we already get it on our app, on like the ESPN app and everything like that, where you get, you know, access to rankings and articles and videos, and you can change your lineup on the fly and, and do all sorts of stuff. So I think the technology will continue to improve, and I can see, you know, some sort of AI that allows you to, you know, if if, if you've got a benched player on your um if you have a, a player who's injured on your starting lineup, you know, it automatically benches it for you and stuff like that. Right. So I think you'll see uh, see that. And you're seeing more, you know, best balls are becoming more and more popular. So I think it's less about innovation and more about sort of a widespread acceptance. One thing you said that I thought was pretty interesting is I have a team where I have Breeze and Mahomes, and right. I'm 0 for 4 <laughs> on picking the, uh, the, the correct guy. And... Um, I was looking at a list today of quarterbacks under 30 that there's there's a lot of really really good ones and then there's the uh you know the Breezes and the Bradys who feel like they're going to play forever. Do you think the Superflex and the 2 QB league might be the one thing that does grow maybe at the rate that say we saw PPR grow the last 3 or 4 years? Like might that be the thing that's the new grower? I I don't think it will be it will get as popular as as PPR. To me, just going to adding a point per reception, and it took a while to get there, but adding a point per reception isn't as big a leap uh, for some people to wrap their minds around as as a, a sort of a super flex. I think you got a better chance with the two QB league um, than the uh, than the super flex. But uh, I do enjoy both formats. Let's talk about the podcast a little bit because, like I told you, I've been a fan. Uh, since I was listening on a web browser on a little player on the right-hand side. Um, you know, it's interesting this year because you guys have added the uh, the live Twitter and, yep. and, and the show being on Twitter. And so yeah, if you if you if you watch, uh, we we broadcast the show live in front of cameras when we're doing the podcast, everyone can watch us do the podcast on Twitter, at Fantasy Focus. And so 11 a.m. Eastern every day, Monday through Friday, yep. Do you think that's held you held you back at all a little bit? Has it has that changed the podcast a little bit in a couple of different ways? Uh, one, obviously, you need to be a little bit more careful. This is live. You know, it's like anytime something's yep. live, you need to be more careful. And also, it seems like... Um, there's been a lot more instances this year where we might have went and we you guys might have went five more minutes on something um but there's the there's this live element that's sort of I don't want to say holding you back cuz I'm not trying to frame this as a negative I'm more just trying to understand how you're adjusting to the differences this year so, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely changed the podcast a little bit, the dynamic. Um, so to your point, yes, I'm certainly like, I have to be more careful with my language. Uh, you know, last, previous years, uh, I would have fun, whether it was, whether it was with, whether, whether it was with cursing or off-color jokes or something like that, that I knew I had a safety net. Like, I would just try stuff, and then if it, it we could either bleep it out or we could cut it in post-production before we, we published it if, if the joke didn't work or what have you. So I have to be a little bit more conservative because I'm in front of a live microphone. So there's no question about that. And the other thing is is that because we're doing, in essence, a TV show as well, 
right? Because we're 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 recording audio podcast, but it's in front of camera, so you want to make it as visually appealing as three people talking to a microphone as as can be. Is that we have to plan up the show a little bit more than we have previously, and so so that our our graphics and editorial team can pull can produce stats and graphics that enhance the story that we're telling. And so as a result, we have to we decide the topics that we want to talk about the night before uh, so that they can build all those things. And it doesn't mean we don't go into places that just sort of come up naturally, but it is a little bit more rigid to your point um, because we sort of we, we have to because we're producing for a television audience. We still try to go on tangents and have fun and do the things that, have made people, you know, such fans of the show for so many years and, you know, argue amongst ourselves and, and you know, do goofy things. But um, there is a, certainly a little bit more uh, structure to the show than there was uh, before it was live on Twitter. All that said, it's been, it's been great to engage with our audience. Like we get in, instant feedback on polls or, or people tweeting us about stuff that comes up on the show. So the instant feedback has been great, and it certainly raised the profile of the show, which is also terrific. And, and I think one thing it's done as well is it's really um, – I don't know if pressure is the right word, but it's really put Field in a spot where he's really become the quarterback. Like, you know, like he he really has to, to drive that car and, and to keep everything on track. And I thought – I think he's done a great job so far. Actually, Field was nice yep. enough to come on – uh, with me last year, and that's one thing I wanted to ask you is, when Nate left, did you ever think you would be able to click in the way that you have with Field? Like, do you kind of feel like Van Halen and you lost David Lee Roth and, holy shit, Sammy Hagar is actually there and you can sell more albums? Like, Or maybe you like ACDC better and that would have been a better uh, a better analogy. But, like, do you feel... Would would you have believed that you could have replaced the singer and and still sold a million records? No, I I I was certainly nervous when Nate left the show because him and I had developed both an on-air and off-air chemistry, like a significant one. We had a we had a tremendous fan base and people really liked what Nate and I had and and a lot of that chemistry came from the fact that Nate and I have known each other for, gosh, I mean, you know, 17 years, 15 years, I mean, you know, a long, long time. And and we had been friends off the air before either of us worked at ESPN. We knew each other through the fantasy sports industry. So we had been friends for a long time. And so I think that sort of, that came out and that comfort level. And so people really enjoyed that. And so once Field left, uh, sorry, once Nate left and they replaced, uh, ESPN made the decision to replace him with Field, uh, I was certainly nervous, and I think there is, you know, the, so the show had to evolve. It had to become something different. Field is not Nate, and I think attempting to be like Nate would have wouldn't have worked. And so we had to sort of evolve the show around what the dynamic is between Field and I's personalities, and then adding Stefania as well. And so the three of us. And so we have, you know, a lot of player, a lot of people like yourself have stayed with us through the transition, but there have been other people you know, that I meet all the time that are like, uh, you know, I've listened to you for the last two years. That right, don't, don't know, know who they Nate is. Right. And I've just come on recently. And so, you know, our, um, our audience continues to grow. And so we sort of had to rebuild that. And it's, uh, it's been, it's been great. We just, this past September was our, our biggest month ever. So, um, in the history of the show. So it's been, uh, it's been a great fun ride. 
And if Field and Nate is a singer analogy, you guys have also pulled off, you know, a, a drummer switch. You know, going right. from Pod Vader to uh, to Daniel Dopp and, and almost just as seamlessly. And I think what I wanted to ask you about that is, like, does that just kind of show that the content and the atmosphere that you guys have created in this show is almost bigger than the talent in some way? Um, I think you're right in the sense that uh, we've created a an expectation and a universe on the show that allows people to sort of understand what it is. And then um, we, you know, I've said this before, but you'd be amazed at how much thought and preparation goes into making the show sound as half-assed as it does. And so we, we, you know, we thought very, you know, carefully. We had a lot of conversations. We tried different things and not everything worked in terms of how, in terms of the, the ethos and the sort of the, the cadence of, of the show, if you will, and how that would work with different personalities and what, you know, and it, it took me a while to sort of figure out what made, what made Field funny, what made Stefania funny, what made Daniel funny, um, what buttons they could push of mine, and, and what, what, um, what areas of our personality meshed and what areas of our personality didn't. And, you know, highlighting those two things and highlighting them both in the right way and, so it's, it's, it's a little trial and error, era, but to answer your question, like, yeah, I think once you, once you create sort of an expectation and an atmosphere, a universe, if you will, of the show, um, then it's easier to slide somebody in or out, uh, because sort of the tone is, has already been established. You know, it's a, um, you know, if we started the show from scratch with Field, I think it would have been very different than Field just coming into an already established system, because, um, you know, it's we're very different. We're very loosey goosey, and we're very different than anything else that Field does for the company. Is ESPN Plus the best thing that ever happened to the fantasy show? It's a good question. Um, I think, like anything, there are good things and and uh, and there's some challenges there. So, um, can I tell you why? I why think, you, can I tell you why yeah, I think it is? Go ahead, by all means. I can count on it being on ESPN Plus every day. Whereas last year it was, okay, is it on ESPN? Is it on ESPNU? Is it at 4 o'clock? Is it, you know, there was this kind of instability where I was always searching yep. for it. We're now with ESPN Plus, and as ESPN Plus just grows and grows and grows with all of the different things that make that four ninety five like the best five bucks I spend every month, I know I can go there every day at the same time click that button and see Daniel Dopp in his pajamas and, <laughs> you know, or whatever goofy, yeah. awesome thing you guys are doing that day. So that's why I asked. Maybe I should have elaborated a little bit more, but I don't know if you feel the way I do in that, like, the show's taking a huge leap forward just because there's consistency to it now. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword. And so there are certainly a ton of positives to being on ESPN Plus. And we were certainly frustrated last year with, with sort of the, the show getting moved all around. Look, as anyone who performs, you want the biggest audience possible. And at the moment, that's on television. 
Right. We have we have you know ESPN and ESPN two are in more cable homes than we have subscribers to ESPN plus. We've come out recently and said you know we're just over a million subscribers to ESPN plus, and obviously all of our cable channels are available in multi multi millions of homes. So you want to be in in front of the widest possible audience. So um, so in, in that case, you know that's a uh, you know that you know that's not quote unquote ideal. Um, but the positives of it were, and and we also, you know, last year we used to, um, uh, because of the way uh, we used to take clips of the TV show, and we would put them into the, our ESPN Fantasy app. We would just chop them up. And we just, we ended up getting a ton of engagement from people just watching clips of the show through the app. Because the fantasy app, you know, obviously has millions upon millions of people on it, and right. they're on it all day, every day, and that's where my audience lives. So, because ESPN Plus is behind a paywall, we don't do as near, nearly as many clips from the TV show into uh, into the app. Because obviously, we want to, for paying customers like yourself, we want you to feel like that four ninety five a month you pay for is worth it. That you're getting something exclusive. Which makes sense, and you know, listen, it's it's four ninety five. To your point about being a best deal, it's four ninety five a month. It's sixteen cents a day. Like, and you get in addition to uh, my show, which I think is terrific. You get so much content, unbelievable live events, uh, the, the entire thirty for thirty, 30 library, yeah. mm-hmm. like uh, original studio shows um, from a bunch of different people, including you know uh, Kobe Bryant and and Katie Nolan and uh, uh, you know. Ariel Hawani, and I mean, you know, on and on. We have a gambling show, and so just you know, on and on and on. Just tons of great content, and and so, so I, mean, I agree with you. I think it's it's an unbelievable deal. So the positives of e, of us being on ESPN Plus are, to your point, it's always on demand. Um, our audience is digital. We don't have time constraints the way we did on television. So if we want to do a deeper dive onto a subject, um, we can. You know, we don't have to fit into this 22-minute cookie-cutter, you know, exact amount of time. We can, you know, like, whatever, two weeks ago, when Josh Gordon gets traded to the Patriots, you know, we're doing our normal things throughout the week where we're, we're recapping the week, we're doing waiver-wire stuff, we're looking at rest-of-season value, we're having guests on, we're previewing the, you know, and then on Thursdays we preview the upcoming week. But, you know, in the middle of that, Josh Gordon gets traded to the Patriots, which is a massive story, and if we're on TV, we probably can't do a deep dive on that the way they were able to, and Mike Clay came on the show, and we were able to do a, a, you know, a real nice deep dive into that um, that wouldn't have been possible had we been on another platform. And so you know, that's exciting, and I think because of you know, the nature of it, we are able to be a little bit more uh, creatively free. Um, you know, uh, to your point, we do we do goofy, fun stuff all the time. We just make ourselves laugh every day. And I have to tell you, ESPN has been so incredibly supportive in this area. And they, uh, you know, they we've literally never gotten a creative note. We've never once been said like, "Ah, eh, don't do that." And you guys take you risks. Say, Maybe not do that. <laughs> you guys go. You we, go for it too, which I love. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, we, we have a lot of fun, and we're just trying to do different stuff, and it's important to me, and it means a lot to me when you tell me that you, you enjoy both things, because when they gave me the TV show, it was important for me to be like, the TV show has to be a completely different experience than the podcast. I don't want to just rehash what I did on the podcast right. on a TV show, because at that point, you might as well just put the podcast on TV, 
Just make that the TV show. So it has to be a completely unique and different experience, and I think ESPN understood that and was supportive of that, and so it's a very, you know, um, if, you read, if, you do, if you consume all the content I put out, you read my column, you watch the podcast or, or listen to the podcast or watch the TV show and then watch the Sunday show on uh, Fantasy Football Now, they're all very different experiences. So I think that's, uh, that's important to me. Uh, that they don't feel like they're just getting the same old thing, just you know, packaged slightly differently, and so um, that's been cool. And I think that's one of the things that ESPN feels like is is helping drive subscribers to the services that they know that uh, that the fantasy show that I do with Daniel is completely unique and unlike anything else you'll get on television or any other platform anywhere else, and so. Yeah, we definitely have a, a lot of fun and some great characters, and, uh, you know, it's fantasy. It's supposed to be fun. And Daniel's got some kahunas, man. I mean, he will. Oh, he, 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 he's a gamer. He is a gamer. Listen, uh, Mr. Hoffheimer set this up for me, and he gave me a lot of plugs, so I want to get them all in. Uh, the fantasy show is on ESPN+, Plus, as we have just been talking about, and it, my a lot of the uh, fans of this show are big college hockey fans, and ESPN+, Plus just signed a big deal with the ECAC and the Ivy League teams, which are also in the ECAC. So if you are a big college hockey guy, boom, get in there, and the fantasy show is there as well. Uh, fantasy Football Now is on Sundays at 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN2, which is great for, hey, what the hell is going on with Leonard Furnett's hamstring? Probably nothing good, but Matthew will make sure you know for sure. Uh, about that. Also, you can uh, find Matthew on Twitter, where I ask you to please be nice to Matthew on Twitter. There's absolutely <laughs> no reason not to. He's Matthew Barry TMR there, and uh, Matthew, I'm gonna get you here. I'm gonna get you out of here on this. Um, it, you know, in my head right now, I don't know if this stunk or not, but um, I did want to ask you as a parting shot. Uh, you came from Hollywood, and um, yep. You know, you did a movie, and you wrote from you, you wrote some sitcom episodes, and uh, I just wonder because anytime, you know, you, you, of course you have the greatest job in the world right now, and you're the greatest at it, and um, walking away anytime soon, I'm sure would be absurd. But when you lay down some nights, do you ever think? Man, there's one more script at me, or there's in me, or there's one more, there's one more idea that I just love to to just give a world one more time. Is, is is there anything that 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 pulls you back to that life a little bit ever? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, there's certainly some ideas for scripts or or, or different things that I've I've played with in the back of my mind. Um, you know, there's pieces of it that I miss. There's um, in terms of the creative process. I, you know, in terms of like on sitcoms, just being in the writers' room, you just, you you laugh all day. Like it's long work, and you you sometimes you feel like it's a jail, and you're just sort of trapped there. But you you laugh all day long, and so it's just um, uh, you know. So it's uh, so I miss I certainly miss that. I will tell you that a couple of years ago, um, Fox ended up buying uh, the rights to my book, Fantasy Life, and they turned it into a sitcom. And uh, Kevin Connolly was playing, in essence, me and. We had uh, Vanessa Williams and uh, uh, Christopher McDonald and Jamie Lynn Sigler. So we had this great cast, and we shot a pilot. And so it ended up not going. 
Um, you know, it's always tough to get on on the air. Um, I think you know something like they hear like whatever five hundred pitches, and out of those five hundred pitches, they pick fifty scripts right. uh, that they buy, and out of the fifty scripts, they shoot like eight pilots, and out of the eight pilots, like two make the air. And so we got you know we got to be one of the eight pilots, and so I, I you know I went out to Hollywood for the week for like ten days. And I was in the writers' room again with the writers that had created the show, and you know, pitching jokes, and I was in on casting sessions, and uh, boy, it was so much fun. And uh, you know, I made a lot of friends from that that one week. That are people that are still friends to this day. And um, so, yeah, I definitely, I definitely miss that. And there's a lot of the BS of Hollywood that I don't miss at all. Um, but the creative part of it, the fun part of it, uh, there's certainly moments where I miss that. If we'll we... never know. We'll see what the future holds. If we redrafted tomorrow, PPR, Camara be number one? Uh, in PPR? Yeah. I think Gurley. Gurley. I think you're still taking Gurley because we just don't know. We just don't know what Mark Ingram's role is going to be. But yeah, I mean, I think he's number two. What would you do right now if you were stuck with, uh, you were stuck in this uh, uh, Le'Veon Bell disaster? Just wait. I'm actually I'm actually stuck in this Le'Veon Bell disaster, <laughs> and so it depends on where you are. So I have him in three leagues. Uh-huh. I'm in one league, which is that Superflex league, where there's no trading. So it just is what it is. It's just on my bench, and I'm continuing to work the wire and, and, and do what I can. Um, so that's one. In one league, I am three and one in that league. So I'm sort of doing nothing with that. I'm in, I'm in really good shape. Uh, that team is in great shape, so it's like I'm going to be – I think I'll be in the playoffs, and then once you know, towards the middle of the season when Le'Veon comes back, grab it. I'm gonna try. I'm. I'm. I'll probably. I haven't gotten around to it yet, but I'll probably make an offer to the the um, manager in my league that has James Conner. Ended up snaking it from me, um, but then I beat him in week one because you know karma. So uh, in that league, I'm in that league. I'm okay, and in the third league, I have I have James Conner and Le'Veon Bell. So I'm just you know I'm just. I'm playing Connor until he comes back. So I think it depends on sort of your situation, right? Um, and if the if the league where I don't, the league where I'm not with three and one, like two and two, I think I'd probably try to either trade him or or get James Connor. I would try to pair the two up. It just sort of depends on where you're at in your season and how confident you are in the rest of your team. And that particular team, so I'll just be honest. In that particular team, I'm one and three. Now there's a, it's a league with no trading. It's a very deep league. It's a super flex league, and uh, and the and tight ends score significantly higher. So, like, you get a point for a point and a half, one point five points per reception for tight ends. My two tight ends in that league are, are Greg Olson and Jack Doyle. So, I mean, you know, and Le'Veon Bell was my first round pick, and I got snaked on James Conner, and um, and Carson Wentz is my quarterback. So it's like it's been a rough start to me. I'm one and three in that league, but. Carson Wentz is now back. I have Christian McCaffrey in that league as well. He was on a bye last week. He's back. Greg Olson came back to practice today. He'll probably play next week. Uh, I have Sony Michelle in that league, and he's obviously suddenly emerging. So I feel like even even though it sucks that I don't have Le'Veon Bell, I don't have my number one pick for till week eight. I feel okay about that team. I wouldn't do any big panic moves because I think between McCaffrey and Michelle, I also have. I also have James White. I have Marshawn Lynch. I drafted well in that league. Um, so I, I have some depth there. And, you know, I get Julian Edelman back this week as well in that league. So I think better days are ahead for me in, in that league. I just think it depends on your situation. On the Matthew Berry scale of dependability, 
Like you can depend 100% that you're going to have fun at a Jimmy Buffett concert. And you probably are at about a zero in dependability on having a good time uh, needing to do $300 worth of grocery shopping. Uh, where would right. you, where would you put Leonard Fournette right now? On a scale of one to a hundred. <laughs> well, I was, I was trying to have a little bit of fun with the whole, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, like on a, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, let's see. I would say, um, is he even a visit at, to is the? He, a is visit, he, I would say, I would say he's a visit to the mall. <laughs> Could be great. Maybe you know, maybe there's a sale. Maybe you find a great parking spot, but there's also a chance that it's just a disaster. That it's packed. That you, you know, that you're parked away in the boondocks. Um, that everyone's expensive, and you know, and then you get into a you know, uh, you know, somebody's uh, you know reaching for the last cupcake or something like that, or you're at some store. I don't know, but something like that. Uh, it- you know, something where it's probably going to be negative but has a chance to be positive. That's where I'm at on Leonard Fournette. I have a team, and I'm just hoping I can get him to the Margaritaville restaurant. You know what I mean? Like There I, you go. I know we're not yeah. getting to the concert, but like if I can just get him to the chain restaurant <laughs> and, and sit around there, I'll take that. Uh, Matthew, is there anything else you want to plug? You know what? For, for Mr. Hoffheimer, let me lay it all out one more time. Uh, fantasy Football Now um, is on Sunday mornings on ESPN2. Yep. Um, yep, 10 a.m. Eastern. 10 a.m. Eastern. Uh, the Fantasy Football Show Daily is on ESPN+. Plus. Um, and if you just want to have fun and laugh at the crazy stuff that Daniel Dopp does and get great analysis from Matthew, it's a show for you. Uh, the podcast is live on Twitter at 11 o'clock every day, Monday through Friday. And at some point between... 10.55 and maybe 11.07, Matthew will tweet a link to it. Um, yes. Yes. But, right. but somewhere in that window. So if you just follow at Fantasy Focus on Twitter, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll get it every day. Right. And it's uh, at Matthew Barry TMR on Twitter where I implore you uh, to be polite because there's just, there's just no, reason, uh, there's no reason to be a dick there. Matthew, this has been an honor for me for you to come on to this silly show and commit poddultry. Uh, with me uh, really means a lot and I thank you so much and maybe this was a bust I'm not really sure if I if I went the right route or not but um, thanks for hanging in there with me and giving me all this time and uh, really I, I, I can't say enough uh, enough to to thank you and, and well, hey. I appreciate the, I, I appreciate it very much very kind of you to say um, hey listen love hate is back uh, so uh, check out my love hate column on ESPN.com and uh, really kind of you to say I appreciate it. No, uh, interview was great, and uh, very much appreciate you uh, you being a fan as well, man. And I know the next beignet picture is going to be the best ah. picture of beignets ever. I know it. I just know it. <laughs> we will see. We will certainly <laughs> see. I don't know. Nowhere to go but up. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Thanks, man. Could've used a few pounds Tight pants, points, hollering out She was a black-haired beauty with big dark eyes And points all her own, sudden way up high 
All right, I want to thank Matthew Berry for being on the podcast today. I also want to thank Bill Hoffheimer from ESPN PR uh, for helping to uh, to set that up. Big book club update today. We have a bunch to go over. First of all, I want to congratulate the great Jane Levy for throwing out the first pitch at Yankee Stadium last week. Doesn't get much cooler than that. And she did it to help promote her book, The Big Fella, Babe Ruth and the World He Created, uh, which, of course, is a book that we'll be featuring on this very here podcast. It's released October 16, 2018, but, of course, pre-orders are available. And right now, right now, it is only $20.99 for the hardcover copy uh, on on Amazon. Uh, you can also get it, of course, in Kindle and uh, Apple and all those things. But The Big Fella by Jane Levy uh, will be here um, soon. And uh, I can't wait to cover it and promote it uh, with Jane. Also, The Last Days of Letterman, The Final Six Weeks by Scott Ryan, uh, forward by Bill Sheft. Uh, I am just about done with this book. It's written oral history style, and there's a there's a lot of really great information, cool pictures, uh, just a really awesome snapshot into what the last six weeks of The Letterman Show are like. And you know, I'm excited to talk to Scott about it because it really ended late night television, at least for me. I mean, unless you want to tune in at 11.30 and hear what a piece of shit Donald Trump is and, uh, you know, how awful his health care bill is or how awful his tax plan bill is or how awful he is for this or how awful he is for that. Really, what's the point? Because whether it's Colbert or whether it's Kimmel, uh, not so much Fallon, but even Fallon to some degree, late night talk show has been this really bizarre uh, Trump beating. And I think I don't stand here to say that that wouldn't have happened in Letterman, but I think that Letterman would have had a subtlety to it. He would have been, it would have been funny. Maybe like I don't find these guys funny. So Maybe that's on me, uh, but I'm excited to talk to Scott about the last days of Letterman. My homework for this weekend is to finish football for a buck. The Crazy Rise and Crazy Demise of the USFL uh, by Jeff Perlman, uh, because I'd love to get Jeff on next week or the week after to talk about this. Uh, it's a passion project to Jeff Perlman. Uh, Jeff has been, uh, Jeff's been a pal of this podcast uh, for a long time, and he is a bleeding heart liberal. Uh, we couldn't be any further away polit- politically, uh, but we know where each other stand, and we can have good constructive debates on things. And uh, one thing I'm really excited, really excited about in terms of promoting this book with Jeff is never mentioning Donald Trump. Uh, if you are really interested in Donald Trump's role in this book, Listen to any interview uh, that Jeff has done 
uh, about football for a buck because that's all anyone wants to talk about. It's Trump. Trump was a shitty owner. Trump ruined the league. Uh, Trump was greedy. Trump was a scam artist. I'm not here to debate that. I just don't care. I think that there's so many other great stories and we're going to have such a great time uh, talking to Jeff about everything that isn't Donald Trump uh, that my goal is hopefully to not waste a second on that. So, real quick to recap the book club, Football for a Buck, The Crazy Rise and Crazier Demise of the USFL by the great Jeff Perlman. The Last Days of Letterman, The Final Six Weeks by Scott Ryan. And, of course, the first lady of the sportscasters, Jane Levy, and the big fella, uh, her Babe Ruth book, Babe Ruth and the World He Created, uh, which is still about a month out. It comes out on October 20th, but hopefully I will have a book uh, to read shortly and hopefully a book to give away. I do have a book to give away. Uh, autographed of The Last Days of Letterman. And I also have a book uh, to give away uh, Football for a Buck. So if you're interested in either of those, email me, thesportscasters at gmail.com, and I will give out a book uh, to someone who emails me and asks for it. That's all it takes. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk with Mike Shope. Uh, from WGR 550 in Buffalo, New York. All right, our next guest lives on Grand Island, New York. It is the host of the Chopin Bulldog Show on WGR. It airs weekly from 3 to 7. He's nice enough to join us today. A warm sportscaster's welcome to Mike Chope. What's going on, Mike? How you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me on again. I got to admit, I got a little bit of, uh, I got a little bit of a uh, Sabres Blues hangover today. Not like the Sabres playing the Blues hangover, but like a Blues from the Sabres sucking hangover, if you know what I mean. I think I do. Yeah. I I went, like, you could probably relate to this. It's like you're standing in the arena, and they're all in that circle, and they announce Jack, and he comes out, and it's a huge pop, and you're just like, this is going to be such a great night. You know, and then just it, it was not a great, it was not a great night. Did you think they played that bad though? I didn't think they played that bad. Well, first of all, I was in line for beer when they did that. I don't even know that they did that. <laughs> I, I thought earlier in the week that they would do something like that, but I was not. I, I mean, the whole night for me was about two things. It was about for the first time in my life sitting in the front row and waiting in line and being upset about the arena. <laughs> because of the new way you have to, like, get in and they, they're only using, like, two of the doors? Is that what you mean? Or I got in, no problem. 
Okay. My wife meets me there because I'm already down there for the pregame show, so she meets me there. And I'm in a beer line as all that stuff you're talking about apparently is happening. Um, and so, you know, we got to our seats in time for the opening face-off, but that's, we missed the anthems. And um, the first period was great. I mean, I'm sitting in front, and it's a new season, and I think maybe it was two to nothing, a little bit of a downer, but whatever. I'm having a good time. And then it was just waiting in line. Everybody seemed to have the same frustration about how long everything was taking, how yeah. things are costing more. Yeah. The whole thing seems like it is going the wrong way. And I don't know. Like What I thought about last night, at all today i've thought about that so how did they play i mean i don't know they they didn't come close to scoring a goal really right <laughs> they didn't have a lot of grade a chances i'll give you that you know it's just one of those games where it's like you didn't even play good enough to win but it's like i didn't feel like they got run off the ice look at i'm setting a low standard here right you know what i mean like yeah, there's been yeah. there's been some lean years, so I'm sending. I, was, I can I can feel myself uh, giving them a very very low bar to pass, uh, but it it almost felt like one of those games to me where if they get the first goal, it's maybe different because I didn't feel like they played that badly overall, and I was very impressed with Casey Middlestad. If there was one thing, all. Like, all camp I heard, like, this kid's not ready. There's no chance he's going to be the number two center. Um, you know, we're overrating him or whatever. And I thought you could make a case that he was maybe the best saber. So. I also I also found myself impressed with him. Um, it's an exceptionally low bar. I mean, this, this game was three to nothing halfway through. And just like these Bills games after that, nothing really matters. I mean. I haven't really looked at numbers, but I, I, I never really thought they were good. Um, you know, what do you want? You want to be a contender for a playoff spot? I mean, it, they have to be, they have to win. They have to compete with teams like that. This team they played lost seven to nothing the night before. I mean, <laughs> it has to be. I'm at a, I'm at a point where I'm just so not interested in it personally. If it's like that, because like if I didn't have my job, which I love, I would never follow a team like this. Like it's just, it's just too, too uninteresting. And obviously, this season has not like materialized. That is not, that is not what we don't have a season yet. It's just starting. But right. That's what last year was. And I also feel sort of beholden to it because of these tickets that I buy with friends, and that's a very frustrating and depressing. Thing. I mean, it's it's an entertainment vehicle. It's an entertainment product. So to get upset because of it, you know, not good. You 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 said something there. You said, "What do you want?" And I think I know exactly what I want. Um, I want I want them to play meaningful games into March. That doesn't mean they have to make the playoffs. I just want. I want to be able to kind of just see him in the distance a little bit and think, like on March 1st, think like, well, maybe if we go 10 of the next 12, we could sneak in. You know, like that's about where I want to be. 
and I want to see Jack Eichel take the next step, and I want Rasmus Dahlin to be as good as he is advertised, and I want Casey Middlestat to emerge as a legitimate 1B to Jack Eichel's 1A. Like, that's what I want. Do you think I, I want too much? No, no, I think that that's all good. I think that that's all pretty much in line with what the high end of expectations is. So I think that's good. I, I might need a little more than that, but I'm older than you. <laughs> <laughs> the, older, the older I get, the less impressed I am with the middle. Yeah, I mean, I was walking in, when we were walking into the arena last night, the 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 atrium was really crowded because I don't know they have some really strange new system where you can only walk in the doors on the opposite ends you can't use the middle doors and I'm not really sure why but everything it was really crowded and obviously everyone's really optimistic and I was talk I was with my younger brother and I was saying to him I'm like you know I wish you could have been here with me the night that Briere scored in double over or in overtime in game 6 against Carolina because this like being in this room it was one of the coolest experiences of my life like walking out of the arena that night was like the cool one of the coolest sports moments ever you know it's like maybe number 3 behind my brother winning a national championship and the Saints winning the Super Bowl like just walking out of the, like walking out of there that night i mean we all i guess i can't speak for everyone but i think we all thought we were winning the stanley cup and oh it was just so cool and i thought of that moment last night and that my brother said uh i think very smartly he's like brother we're a long way we're a long way from that you know what i mean so um yeah, it was a disappointment overall last night, but uh, but I am going to try to to uh, to to uh, to just block it out and um, and and what we got a four game homestand and say hey we're going to go three and one on this and I'll never care about that Bruins game ever again. You know, like that's that's still where I'm at because it's still early enough for me to not be on the other side of that cliff. Yes. Yes. Well, that's good. Let me ask that's you. Good. Let me ask you about the Bills, real quick. I want to do this real quick, yep. but, but I want to ask you this because I like to, I like to talk to you about radio. Mm-hmm. Um, what? <laughs> try to explain to me the difference between the in the job because I'm really interested in this. Seventeen point underdogs. And they they win this game, this incredible game. They win it, right? And then the next week, right back to the tank, and they don't get a point. Like, can you just tell me as a radio host, I want to know two things. Like, one, how you, before those mics go on, after each of those games, what you feel like your approach is going to be. And two, as a human being... Like how difficult? What's the what's the euphoria to the opposite of euphoria ratio uh, in those two games? <laughs> well, first I'll say I'm a little embarrassed to admit how little thought goes into how I'm going to be. 
or how, how I'm going to sound or anything like that. There, there really isn't much of that, and that's maybe especially egregious if you look at it, if you think about that your way, considering that both games were pretty much over at halftime. Like you, I had plenty of time to sort of build a, um, I don't know what how, how you want to describe it, but like an attitude, so to speak. Um, they're really, I mean, I, I just felt about Minnesota, maybe this is similar to what we were just talking about. It's still not very much. In, in terms of winning a game from that point spread and by that much, it was historic, I guess. But I wasn't sitting there thinking that they were actually good. I mean, that's just the league. So I never, and we talked about this a lot that week and even that day. Like, are they actually good? Because I'm not really ready to even consider that. I just, I was so far away from even considering that before the season even started. And then the first two games happened. So there's, there's that part. Like, you just try to be real and I just kind of am on the air. So that's just how I was feeling and what I was thinking. And, you know, there's also this, and maybe we've talked about this before. There is a little bit of uh, strategy, I guess, not strategy. Um, it's just, it's a different show talking about a good team. It's a different day-to-day. It's a different everything. And it's not worse. It's just a little harder. I mean, everybody would rather have a good team. But People, our, our thing is to get people to react. That's what makes it interesting. And when a team is good, not that I have much experience, but when a team is good, there's really not much of that to do that's interesting to listen to. To listen to two other people talk about anything, you know, you have basically, you could be listening to two people talk in an elevator about the weather. Oh, isn't it nice out? Yes. <laughs> Or you could be, you could listen to two people talk about Kavanaugh, and it might make you mad or something like that. Could get could get heated, but at least it's something. So if if a team is good, you know, there's really not a lot to talk about necessarily. At least that I can think of that that I like, that I think people would like to listen to. But you know, really, to get back to your question, like Minnesota was not that for me. It was not. Oh, I guess we were all wrong. I think it was just a day. And that's how I looked ahead to Green Bay, and that's really what I think maybe seems to be right after Green Bay. Which team do you think they're closer to, the Minnesota team or the Green Bay team? Oh, the Packers, 100%. Okay. I don't think they're good at all. I don't I don't think they're good at all. I never did. Like, this year was, for me, always, like, there's just not everything. I mean, the roster, I, w- I wonder about the sort of the approach of the coach and the organization whether they really know what they're doing. Um, there's, I mean, not to be so so harsh, because I feel like I have that reputation and I, I resent it somewhat. Like, I, I just don't know what's good about them. Right. Uh, Aaron, Aaron, uh, Aaron Schatz is, is a, uh, a friend of both of our programs. Um, and I was thinking of you when I had him on this year because – uh, you know, one of the first things I wanted to ask him was, was like, wow, you know, a million simulations. The Bills are really dead last. That surprised me a little bit. I didn't expect that. And then he dropped a bomb on me that I have to – I just have to – I have to get your your take on. He told me that in the history of football outsiders, 
that Josh Allen is the lowest rated first round quarterback ever. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, that I, I didn't know that exact point, but I know that Outsiders was referenced by our guys in like July and August. They called him a parody of a first round pick. I mean, it was I think maybe as much as anything else when you hear people if you do argue about you know, whether people are just uh too glued to their opinions about him, their their previous or their first impressions of him, I think maybe that a football outsider is, is more than any other entity the um the root of that because that that essay on him was incredible but doesn't mean it was wrong you know like i i think math is the only thing i believe in pretty much right like if if uh what, what they're doing is is from a scientific place not a place of judgment or biases and the ways that your brain can sort of trick you which we all know um if we care to know we all know happens so um yeah, like that's kind of the way I felt about it because you're just deferring to them or taking from them, and that's um, quite a quite a statement. They have a they have a writer whose name I don't remember. It's long, and he wrote about they had a a piece on the season coming up, team by team that, and he wrote it's going to be another long decade. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> a decade feels like a long time. Yes, <laughs> I, I I feel for my I feel for my friends and family in the city. Uh, I want to ask you this uh, because this interests me. Uh, this is a podcast. It's a silly one. It's a small one. Um, I know my mom listens, and I think a few others. Uh, but as podcasts grow, and people of prominence in the sports media uh, get sometimes dragged into hosting them uh, and other times um, the, the opposite of that I guess thrilled to host them but as the medium grows as uh, things like pardon pardon my take as like I have a cousin who's in college and I, I talk to him about you know how he consumes sports and he's like me and all my friends we listen to part of my take. That's what we do. Um, and I just wonder, as someone who's in the more traditional uh, form of uh, sports talk radio, something that I've been listening to since uh, since before Art Wander, you know, since I was um, – since 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 as soon as I knew I could turn on a radio and people would be talking about the Sabres on there, I've been doing that. Uh, but I, I, I just wonder from you, like, what – what do you see like when you when you project out like what do you see from do you feel like look at this is always going to be here is podcasts a threat like how do you see the, the the development of podcasts and how it relates to what you do i guess is a simple way to ask a question that mm-hmm. i tried to make way too complicated i don't i don't think a lot about it i don't have any sort of answer for you, like a real answer about what I think the future is. Um, I certainly, to one thing you said, I certainly do not take for granted or expect necessarily even 
that like it's going to be the same because that's one thing that tends to be wrong. <laughs> but whatever it is, it's going to change. So it's it's amazing to me that we are still on AM radio with all the different technological changes and advancements that AM radio, which was first for electronic media, is still a thing. Like, that's amazing. So I have put my faith, I guess, in, in my company for taking us the right way. And I've been, I've been um, rewarded because we've, we were online. I don't know if it was earlier, early for this, but it seems like it was early enough to have um, benefited. And then there was an app and now I'm doing a podcast thing. So I just think um, what I have to offer is worth something to my employer and so whatever form that takes, I will be, um, I will probably give some benefit of the doubt. It's kind of how I am. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm not one to, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think a lot about new endeavors. I know, I know you, you very politely said you haven't thought about this much, but I want to, I want to, I'm going to push it and throw one more thing out. Uh, I've thought a lot about it for whatever reason. Um, and I was thinking about the first time I watched the World Cup, and mm-hmm. and uh, I was watching the World Cup, and they're kicking the ball around, and I think I was, I don't know, it was the one before the one that was here, so it was at 1990, so I was like 10 years old, and I'm watching it, and there's no commercials, and instead there's like a Snickers logo. You know, on yep. on the on the TV, and and I've been thinking about that a lot in terms of regular radio because anytime a podcast uh, or a show on Sirius wants to put down terrestrial radio, the first spot they go is there's no flow; they have to stop every five minutes for ads, and I just wonder if the answer to that is. The next hour of the Shope and the Bulldog show is brought to you by Snickers. And you say that five or six times and you get 50 minutes out of 60 instead of 38 out of 60 and maybe that changes the game. Tell me why that's stupid or maybe I'm on to something or, again, maybe why are we still talking about this because you already said you're not really thinking about it much. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I mean – it seems smart and reasonable. It could be right. Like people, how does it work? People are going to go to what it works best for them. And the thing about now is that there are so many choices versus, you know, even when I started, which was really not that long ago, relatively, there were, you know, the stations you could get in your car, whatever. And now there are so many more choices. So if you, if you get used to, I think if, is, is, I assume this will happen and is happening as people get used to that sort of uh, uh, variety or those that kind that that kind of that, that quantity of, of choices, then it will be more important to not annoy them. It will be more important to not not lose them. I mean, now I I could listen to you in my car. But it would take a little bit of work and it would take a little bit of expertise to figure out how to do that. And I think like a lot of people, I don't know if it's most people, but a lot of people either won't know how to do that or won't um, really like 
care to try they're, as they're driving. Like they, they might not have the technology in their car, or they might not even if they get if they're getting something they like from what they have, that might be good enough. Right. And I think the older you the older you get, the more comfortable that is. You know what you're used to, what you know already. But we do well with young people, which I really like. It makes me feel better. Not that I feel bad. It makes me feel good about um, you know what the future might hold. Let's switch gears. I know that the networks are crushed, that the Cubs were one and done. Uh, but as a baseball fan, I'm kind of geeked about the Braves and the Brewers and uh, the Rockies and some of these teams being in the playoffs. And I mean, I guess it's a little silly to say, wow, the Braves are in the playoffs. How unique. Because I guess we did spend over a decade with them being in it every single time. But Obviously, this isn't the Maddox and Glavin Braves. This is the Acuna and Albies Braves, which is a team I know you filed all year. Uh, what are you most excited about when we say, let's shift the conversation to baseball playoffs? Hmm. Well, I, it's not really Atlanta. The, the There's a couple things. One is that the reason I followed Atlanta is that I bet them. <laughs> right. You had the over. And I had the over. I had the playoffs. I had the pennant. And I had the World Series. And based on, like, how I bet all that, I'm, I'm pretty much good. I mean, if they were to win the pennant and the World Series, that would be amazing. I, I think they're a, a, a pretty good underdog in this round. They're already down. And so I'm, I'm not expecting it. It's not for me like last year was, which was Houston, and I only was into them because I bet them. But that was more, in this context, that was more postseason intensive, or that was really more about how they did in the playoffs than this one. So I'm pretty casual about all of it. I like the new teams. I, I like the, the AL, four AL teams a lot, too. I mean, those are not underdogs. But I'm probably more interested in the AL side. I'm interested in Houston. Like I wanted a team having a chance to repeat is interesting, and Boston, New York is always interesting. So I'm a little bit more I'm a little bit more that style here this year. Did the Yankees get a break getting the Red Sox in the best of five and not the best of seven? Is that crazy to think? Like I maybe I I just don't see them beating them in a best of seven, but maybe they can get them in a best of five. I maybe that's maybe that's silly, but I, I had that thought. I don't know. I, I'd rather have Houston's team than Boston's team. Okay. Like I, I that their run differential was better than last year. Houston, like I, I think Houston is number one. So and they were the favorite at the beginning of the playoffs yesterday. They were the favorite too. So the underdog is always better off the shorter the series is. Did you read Ben Ryder's Astros book? No. Oh, I have I have one. I got to get it to you. It is awesome. He wrote an awesome. What was it on last year? Uh, no, it's it's called Astro Ball, and it's I don't, I don't want to. It's 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 a little too simple to say it's the Astros version of Moneyball. Um, yeah. So I'll be a little bit. Do you did you read Jonah Carey's uh, book about the um, the Rays? I think it was called the Extra Two Percent. I didn't. Okay. Well, it's. I'm striking out all over here, but it's it's a little bit it's it's sort of between Moneyball and that book, and 
it's awesome. Ben did an awesome job on it, and I, I think you I think you'd really enjoy it because it, it just it's just it's yep. a it's a real it's a real nice look into how they built this team and why they made the choices they made and how they were able to blow a couple one ones you know and not kill the rebuild and he did, he did an awesome job right. on it. Um, so I think you'd really like that. Uh, the sports catcher. I, I like, I like, oh, excuse me, Steve. Yeah. I just want to say like, I, I like, I'm fascinated by all that stuff, but I'm, I'm really not a reader. Like I, it's my, it's my shortcoming. Like I, I will read 10 minutes on that <laughs> on anything like that, but I almost never go past that. You're the expert or the excerpt guy, right? Like, what what's what right. book is SI running the uh, eight page excerpt and that's that's where we get you. Which Maybe you... I read Travis Sawchuk's book on the pirates and I read Moneyball and that's my list. <laughs> I uh, read books for this show because I learned early that that's a good way to trick people who would never come on to come on. <laughs> because yeah. people who write books really want to promote them. So, you know, I can say like, hey, Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses, I know there's absolutely no chance in hell you'd ever come on, but you're promoting this book, so how about it? You know, so yes, when when I started in when I started in Rochester with my show there, they I, I don't know how, but I ended up on a list like what is it? Publishers and, and agents. I ended up on I was on lists. So I got you know, I same thing, and I, I remember one particular thing from this, and that's that. I guess maybe maybe they have all had the same publisher, but college basketball coaches. Jim Calhoun had a book. Rick Pitino had a book. Mike Shashevsky had a book, and there's a guy named Pat Williams who had a book. Do you know who he is? Yep. Okay, so he ran the Magic and he ran the Sixers, yep. and. I, even then, like my whole life, I've always fought against books. Like I've always fought. I love the idea. I've just always not been able, I've not been patient enough to sit and read a book. So these guys would send the book and you know, and then you get the press release and I would read the press release. So I talked to Jim Calhoun and it wasn't that good. And I talked to Rick Pitino and it wasn't that good. And like it was day after day for a while there. I feel like that was happening. And then I talked to Mike Krzyzewski, and maybe Pat Williams was the next day. And Pat Williams, if I remember right, this is 20 years ago, but Pat Williams adopted lots of kids. Yeah. So I had that in my head talking to Coach K, and Coach K was really good. The other guys, Calhoun and Patino, were duds. They were just like, they hated doing it. <laughs> and and Krzyzewski was really good. So I was sort of feeling, all right, I got this. I, I'm, I'm rolling with him. And I mistakenly, at the end of the interview, asked him, how many kids again do you have? Because I had the other thing in my head. Uh, and he, he, went, he was quiet for about three seconds, and he went, well, if you consider the manager and the trainer and the student assistant, it's about 15. <laughs> like, I don't know if he was just hel- helping to bail me out or if he was just confused or what, but I liked it. Oh my God, Mike! The worst thing I've I think I've done on this show is I had Tony, uh, not Tony Dungy. I had um, uh, Trey Wingo on the show, and um, Tony Dungy had just kind of said something that kind of caused a stir, right? So I'm going to ask Wingo about it, and and I'm trying to be careful, you know, and I'm trying to ask this, and and I ask this perfect question, you know, and uh, I say Herm Edwards. 
and uh, and and oh. and Trey Wingo's like, "What happened to Herm Edwards? <laughs> what did he do?" Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, "Oh sh- shit! I meant to say yeah. Tony yeah. Dungy." And then I look like a real idiot because it's like you know. You don't know the difference between black football coaches, you know, like it was like, oh my god, right? You know, so I, right, I was that was not a good moment. Uh, the sportscaster yeah, here, sportscaster here, finishing up with Mike Shope, who's always nice enough to come in and, and and talk radio with us. How many fantasy teams do you have this year? I don't know the exact number. <laughs> it's too many. It's more than twenty. Um, that includes a few where I don't have to do anything. Like they're, they call best ball. They're called best ball. Best teams. ball. Yeah. Just okay. draft them. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the, the allure there was just to have a draft when I was bored some night and then I'll have the draft and that's it. And you hear from people, I know people that have like more than a hundred of those. So those don't really count. Cause I'm not like to have a fantasy team is to, is to change your lineup and go to waivers and to do all that, I think. So that number is 16, and it's insane. It's way too many. It has um, affected me in weird, interesting, not great ways. Do you have that team this year that we all dream of and maybe we get once every four or five years where you just know if you don't win this league, it's going to be because someone scores 250 in a playoff game and you still score 225, but you get, like, do you have that squad this year? Do you have one of those? I don't know. I have a few teams that are good. I have a good record overall. Uh I know that. I, I think that to win, you just need to stay on it. And I don't think it's another month before I could even know. If yeah. I have, I, I don't. I think it's a long time. I think it's well into the season because of injuries and, and whatever else. I mean, there's so much randomness in it that it's way too early for me to ever think that I would know whether I should win. Like it's just, I, I hate to use the word process now because I think it's sort of been, you know, ruined. But it really is process. It really is, you know, have draft the right way and then be on top of waivers. You think about guys that maybe are not real good, but they just had a good week. Get to know the people in your league if you can trade with them and how to de- how it is to deal with them. The one thing about this being too many leagues is there are lots of people I'm competing with that I've never met. It's just like I know somebody who invited me and I said yes. <laughs> so as far as like trading with those guys go, I don't know how to do it necessarily, and sometimes those people know who I am and may not may not have a favorable impression of me or something. And I don't know; it's harder to win when you don't know all the people you're dealing with. So that's just one of several areas about this. This could be a book. I mean, if I if I were keeping better track, I'm not sure I would read it, but I could write it. <laughs> you definitely would not read there's, it. There's they would, no right; it would be too long. But <laughs> they would put eight pages in SI, and you'd read the you'd read that part. I would I would read that. So it's been um, it's been a lot. I'm finding myself spending almost every day looking over everything, and really, it just becomes mind numbing. I'm just rereading the same stuff and rethinking about the same ideas. And once in a while, something changes, and that's interesting. And I have to scramble, and I like that. But it's just 16 is too many. I uh, I interviewed Matthew Barry yesterday, and. Um... It might have been a bust. 
I'm a little, I, I, yeah. Yeah, I'm I, I'm not positive. I'm not positive it was any good, but uh, my fingers are crossed that maybe somehow I'm wrong and it was good. Uh, let me get you out. Of, let me get you out of here on this. Uh, you have a partner who suddenly has a legitimate hockey prospect in his family. Um, the uh, you know the the bulldog. His son was an OHL draft pick, and um, mm-hmm. and he he's developing into one hell of a hockey player. And um, I'm just curious, like. How cool is it to like? Is it cool for you? Like, are you enjoying sitting next to the guy and, and, and watching this play out and and knowing the prospect? And maybe this is a dumb question. I don't know, but I'm just curious what it's like for you to be sitting next to the guy whose life is turning into, um, you know, you guys go to the rink every day and and, and like there's. He, he his son has played himself into the possibility of someday walking into that rink to play, right? Like you know that 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 possibility exists out there, and I, and I'm just wondering maybe for you what that's like, if anything. I love it. I I think it's great. It, he's a super kid, and Chris is the nicest guy I know, so I'm enjoying all of it. And beyond that, I, I find the stories about like in the, the things that happen in the background really interesting that's uh these are not my stories to tell but dealing with agents and coaches and parents and all this you know, i've been sidecar to like the whole thing from when his son started even playing hockey mm-hmm. and watching him sort of experience that it's been great I, I mean i could talk about it all day uh privately um but yeah i think he has he has uh, a chance. I mean, he really does have a chance. And it just feels like at every turn they've done things right with him. So um, he's been a role model in that sense too. Yeah, I guess I asked because I lived it. You know what I mean? Like I I lived what they're going through right now, and I know, you know, what it's like to to have that happen in your family. You know what I mean? And all those, all those stories you say, like – we could go. We we could meet somewhere and go. You know, go story for story because I, I know I know I, I you know I know them all. I know what it's like. Um, but uh, listen, this is really fun. This is probably too much time to keep you. You've probably been sitting in your car at your destination for like the last thirteen minutes. So I apologize for that. Uh, the show up in the Bulldog show airs every single day, Monday through Friday, on WGR five fifty. And it starts at three o'clock and ends at seven o'clock. I hope that's right. That's right, right? Yep. Um, right. And you can find Mike on Twitter. He's at Shope Talk on there. And is there anything else you'd like to promote? I'm doing a podcast myself now that work has asked me to go forward with, and I, I am happily doing that. It's called Mike Shope in Conversation. There's one episode. It's with Kim Pagula. That is up at WGR550.com. So. If you don't mind me mentioning that, oh, absolutely, leave it in. Absolutely. How was Kim? How was she? Good. Yeah, she was. She's she's great to talk to. Yeah, she's she's great to talk to. Who's your white whale for that show? Oh wow. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I can't answer that. I'd love to, but I can't. Like, it. We, we we're just starting down here i think the idea of it 
came in tandem with seeing if Kim would do it. Like when they when they came to me with this idea, it, it, it started with, you think Kim would do it? Because they know that I know her. And then she said yes, and then we had a podcast. So I, I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine ever traveling anywhere for this. Um, it, it's whoever people, whoever the people would be that would come to the station, probably, for the most part anyway. And so, like, I don't know. Who should it be? Eddie Vedder? <laughs> I don't know. All right, all right. <laughs> You're asking me. That's I haven't it. thought. I, I haven't thought of it at all beyond local sports. So yeah, I mean that's good. That's a good name. That's a good name. <laughs> all right. I don't think we're going to beat that. So uh, thanks, Mike. Okay. Thank you. My pleasure. All right, I want to thank Mike Shope and, of course, Matthew Barry for being on the podcast today. Don't forget you can hear this podcast and all of our podcasts on our SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash sports-casters. You can also find us on Twitter at sports underscore casters, and you can email me, thesportscasters at gmail.com. And if you would like a copy of Football for a Buck by Jeff Perlman, or The Last Days of Letterman by Scott Ryan. Uh, now would be a good time uh, to send that email. Uh, don't forget greetings from Allentown. Uh, my good buddy Peter Winston does a one-man podcast about wrestling. You can find out more information about that at GF Allentown Pod. Uh, also, I wanted to mention that the Adams Division podcast uh, that Peter and I do together will be reconvening soon to review and rank Survivor Series 1987 to 1998. I have already started my research on that, uh, and um, and I'm looking forward uh, to working with Peter again. All right, with all that said, it's time for one last thing, and one last thing for me today is last night. I went to the Sabres home opener, and that's something I've done. Oh, geez, I've probably been to 20 Sabres home openers. And I love going to the home opener because no matter what happens that season, that night's electric, right? There's an optimism in the building the night of the home opener that no matter how your season goes, especially if it goes badly, you might never reach. And last night was a special one, right? I mean, it was Rasmus Dahlin's first ever game as a Sabre. It was Jack Eichel's first ever game with the C on his chest. Uh, The building was packed. Uh, There was some buzz. Everyone was excited. And then the puck dropped. And, uh, you know, the Sabres... The Sabres, I didn't think, and Mike and I talked about it, although I don't know what we said because I haven't 
haven't recorded that part of this podcast yet, but I didn't think they played all that all that poorly. Um, you know, they didn't get any results on the score sheet. Uh, but after going to the game last night, I'm really excited about this team. I'm excited about Dalene. I'm excited about Middlestat. I'm, of course, excited about Eichel, who I think can be in a Hart Trophy discussion at the end of the year. You know, I liked what I seen uh, from Hutton last night in goal. Uh, there was one goal that Chara scored that I would have liked to see him save it. Uh, Chara kind of outweighed, outweighed him. He went down and, and, and Chara shot it over his shoulder. I would have liked to have seen him win that battle. Uh, but, you know, I'm excited about this team. And, and, you know, there's one other element, you know, one other element to this this whole opener thing, and that's who you go with, right? I mean, I've been to Sabres openers with my father. I've been to Sabres openers with my stepfather. I've been to Sabres openers with my wife. I've been to Sabres openers with my friends. I've been to Sabres openers with my brother Greg and last night I went to the Sabres opener with my brother Anthony. And you know man, families go through stuff sometimes and it's it's been a tough it's been a tough run for our family uh this last uh this last little bit. Uh my uh my step grandfather passed away uh and there's been a little bit of a a little bit of mess associated with that. Um, but anytime, anytime I can, I can do something special with my brother, whether it be Greg or, you know, in this case, Anthony, you know, that just means the world to me. You know, I love to be, I love to spend time with my brothers, you know, uh, in some really random uh, occurrence, uh, a few months back, someone who, who I considered a loved one, my uncle Paul, someone who had meant the world to me, uh, kind of turned heel on me and, and told me what a bad brother I was and, and how awful I, I treat my brothers. And, you know, ever since then I, I've been sort of self-conscious and, you know, the one thing that has really helped me get through that is knowing that every time we're together, whether it's, uh, Greg and I, or Anthony and I, and I or whoever, uh, there's no indication that 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 was true. You know, uh, I love being with my guys, and uh, I, I love I love it when it's something special, like like uh, you know, like the first Sabres game of the year, you know, or even the second one, or you know, I went the other day and uh i hung out in my brother's apartment with his roommate vin and we watched we watched the yankees wild card game and you know it's just one of those things where every day every day that goes by after everything i've been through with my health i just want to spend time with with people i really love you know i want to make sure that hey there's that game on who can I watch that game with? You know, it's Columbus Day on Monday, and, and my wife really wants to go apple picking. And I don't love apple picking, but I love my wife, and I love my daughter. So, you know, I'm going apple picking. Please.
Oh, oh, oh.